We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KC Laboratory. Sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's another live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank. Look, there's more options to do banking now more than ever. And who you're working with is more important than how close they are to your home. Emprise Bank has digital banking that meets you where you are, on your phone, on your computer, even your smartwatch. They're a trusted partner at your fingertips. And they're our trusted partner here at KC Sports Network. So appreciative of them. Emprise Bank member FDIC. Uh, I laughed at the, the fact this was a live show because I forgot it was live. Sorry that we're a couple minutes late. I came in very casually. <laughs> My Listen, bad. The star gets what the star wants, right? <laughs> like, you know, hair and makeup took a little too long. It wasn't perfect. He had to get a redo. He came in late, slides in the chair. And it's just like, oh, you know, Tuck's like, hey, are you are you ready? Because we're already late. And Kent's like, no, 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 I, I need a second. I got to get in the zone. I got to go through my exercises before we podcast. Um, so here we are. Again, we, we are sorry that we are late. Um, it is exactly, it's, it is no one person's fault. Kent is fantastic. We all love him so very much. It's my fault. It's his fault. <laughs> that guy my fault. right there. I'm it's pointing directly at him. Yeah. It's his fault. But yeah, no, I, I just appreciate that. Uh, Kent, you know, has the world kind of move at his whim generally as he floats through life. So I understand how occasionally he just feels like me and Maddie are going to do the same and we're, we're more than happy to oblige. Everything makes so much more sense now that I jumped on and you guys were like about to change the layout of the show because you thought I wasn't showing up. Okay, it's all coming back to me now. It's like, guys, what are you talking about? It's eight o'clock on the dot. There, we everything is coming back everything's coming to me tucker People was waiting tucker was being aggressive to get oh, yeah. us tucker going was putting you in your place and like that's the most aggressive tucker's been ever like I, this is all coming back to it, it all makes sense now My apologies. i don't know if you know this kit but every monday we are in fact live <laughs> for the kc laboratory so if you guys are here we appreciate it you know look down there hit the like subscribe, leave a comment. We would appreciate all these things. And if you tell us in the comment section, you might need to remind Kent that every Monday is a live show. So that way he remembers, but going forward, Kent, just so you're aware, there is in fact a live show on Mondays. If you guys want to roast me throughout the entirety of this show, <laughs> by all means, Tucker will throw everything up uh, onto the bottom of the screen. This can just, you can just let it all out. Uh, just go for it. I have no qualms with that. I deserve every single 
uh, bad joke that comes from it. Uh, and they won't be my bad jokes. But uh, thank you for uh, thank you for coming and hanging out with us and 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 allowing us to be two minutes late. Uh, you know the, these guys, I you know we can only we can only uh, corral them so well. Uh, let's talk about Orlando Brown. I think that's what can we, we talk about. Talk. Something more exciting first. What, okay, what do you want to talk about? Should Jimmy have taken the shot? Oh yes, one hundred percent. Yes. Okay, these you, you guys pigeonhole yourselves as football guys, but you guys you, you're smart in the basketball world too. I, I thought <laughs> I thought we were going to get some pushback somewhere on here for that. So never mind, we can continue. It's not even a fun talking point because we're all we're all in the same boat here. Zero regrets uh, if I'm if I'm Jimmy Butler. Um, okay, so here's the thing: Orlando Brown, the saga continues. The Chiefs, he's on the franchise tag, does not have an agent. And that is definitely slowing some things down. But it does make you a little bit nervous here at the same time. You get some reports that are coming out recently. Orlando Brown potentially looking to be the highest paid left tackle in football. Um, Orlando Brown, you know, he doesn't, he still doesn't have an agent. Some of these comments are happening. So um, very interesting. I don't want to say saga is not the right word yet. It's just an interesting story to me that, you know, the Chiefs left tackle needs one thing to happen for negotiations to occur, doesn't have it, and has reportedly very high lofty expectations. I think it's been very fascinating to this point, Maddie. I don't know how you feel about it. It's gone on a long enough now that I don't want to say concerned, but it's gone on long enough that it's no longer, I guess, like a no big deal. Last time we talked about this, I think it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's no big deal if it happens right now. Don't expect anything in a hurry. Um, and so just don't move. You know, we'll get to that bridge when we get there. We'll cross it at that point in time. It's gone on far enough now that, like you said, he doesn't have an agent. It doesn't seem like there is any headway being made, not even any headway. It's just like there's not even a ton of seems communication back and forth. I don't know if it's anything worth being concerned about. I wouldn't go that far by any means because um, these things can happen quick. But it's interesting that they just have kind of gotten nowhere at this point in time. They just kind of nothing's happened. Now, there's nothing pressing the Chiefs to say it has to be done. Like there's there's no reason to make it happen right now. So that's going to be part of it. It's just you think there would be a little bit kind of happening by now would have been my thought. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I would have thought that we at least have some kind of movement. And we just haven't yet. Um, that's not to say that there's not going to be something done. I think Brett Veach and Orlando Brown Jr. both want to get something done. Throughout the offseason, Orlando Brown Jr. said, you know, I got this coming up. I got Pat's wedding coming up. I got all this other stuff coming up that I want to do first. And yeah, not signing an agent definitely means that there's no urgency there. Because, I mean, Orlando Brown Jr. can definitely represent himself. And if he's representing himself, well, then... He's going to do what he thinks is best for him. And if he thinks, hey, I'm going to send out OTAs, come to the table, give him my number, accept what I'm going to accept, and we're going to go from there, well, then that's fine. You know, I, I don't think that there's a worry there with him not signing an agent. But I do think if he did have an agent, he'd be starting to get a little bit more nudging from that guy saying, it's like, hey, man. We, we need to sit down at the table because I got to make my commission here. If Orlando Brown Jr. is truly planning on representing himself, he could just be waiting this thing out for a little while longer. I, I'm i just, you know, ink, ink can dry in Miami or uh, in, in Hawaii. I mean, <laughs> ink can dry. I mean, you, you can docu-sign from Hawaii. You sure. know, I just, I like, I, I read that tweet back in you know the beginning of the offseason. I'm like, you know, you can, you can make, you, you don't have to be like, you're not planning Mahomes' wedding. 
you know, like I think you can, you can multitask a little bit here. I wish there was a little bit more urgency with the agency agency side of this process because you're deep into the summer and I would, you know, you, you would hope to have some kind of well-established, um, you know, relationship with the agent too by now, but the chiefs can't do that. Um, you know, there's positive things that I like. I like the fact that, you know, I, you heard Mahomes saying that he's in touch with him on a weekly basis. You know, I, it, when, when he was sitting in the press conference this last week, you know, he's in, he's in talks with Orlando Brown on, on a weekly basis. They're staying in touch. That's a good thing. You know, it doesn't seem like, at least on the surface, there's a ton of reason to be concerned. But at the same time, this has just been such a weird offseason. Like, I don't think the Chiefs rolled into January expecting to trade Tyreek Hill, right? Right. And I don't really know if the Chiefs expected the Orlando Brown situation to extend all the way into June or July, necessarily. I can't say that definitively, but it does seem like there has been some uncertainty that has been created with players over the last you know few months and i'm not this isn't player blaming by any stretch of the word it's just the reality these are things that are happening here and so i'm just i i i'm i'm not nervous that it won't get done i just it doesn't seem like it does not seem like this was in the chiefs expectations to you know like honestly i if you had told the chiefs that they wouldn't have orlando brown orlando brown signed or negotiating a long-term extension by now and tyree kills not on the roster like, are we sure? Are we sure the Chiefs expected that in January? Like, I don't think they were. I mean, I no, I don't think that was something that they went into the offseason expecting, but I think it turned that way pretty quick. Like, I don't think that this is something that just that just happened last week or like this the whole ordeal. Like, right? Like it turned relatively quickly when it happened. Orlando Brown's been in this situation since they offered him the franchise tag. And before it was pretty obvious that him and his agent, you know, weren't getting along in the way that they wanted to at the time. He was wanting to move on, get to another agent. The search hasn't gone as quickly as I guess we would hope. And I'm assuming the Chiefs would hope. But I don't think that they were like, I don't think they are completely caught off guard now than when they were when they offered him or put the franchise tag out to him. Like, I don't think that they anticipated like, oh, this is for sure going to be done by May 30th. Um, it's just the lack of movement. Now, both of Orlando Brown's last two off seasons have kind of been weird though. Uh, <laughs> demanding to only play left tackle, threatening to hold out in Baltimore until he gets traded, <laughs> gets traded to the chiefs. Now he has one, two years of playing left tackle. Probably, you know, this is probably only a year and a half of playing as a top, top offensive tackle, whether it's right or left side. And now it sounds like he's demanding top, top in left tackle money doesn't have an agent is on the franchise tag and he's not holding out. He is definitely not holding out yet. You cannot hold out yet before anything mandatory comes about, but he's not doing team activities as of right now. Again, so he doesn't kind of have to be there. He's not signed under the franchise tag yet. It's just, he's had two really weird off seasons back to back. And it's just interesting to start to kind of wrap your mind around the, I guess the way the player sees business and how it all goes down because he's definitely approaching the last two years very differently than a lot of other guys in football. Yeah. I've, I've seen kind of a general sentiment from a lot of chiefs fans. It's like, no, he's not a top 10 left tackle. You can't be paying him top 10 left tackle money. Guess what guys, the franchise tag puts him number nine and nobody threw a fit when he signed the franchise tag. Everybody went, okay, yeah, that's, that's what it is. You know, nobody threw a fit about that. Now all of a sudden he says, you know, wants to be paid 
amongst one of the top left tackles. And that's that's a quote from back in January, by the way. That's not a quote from right now. That's a quote from back in January. After all that, it was one of his advisors that said that. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's kind of losing their mind a little. Oh, you can't pay him that much. Money. He's not worth that. Guys, that's that's not how this works. And, uh, you know, we, we can talk round and round about how he's valued, where he's valued, all that stuff. The point is, he is a 26-year-old left tackle. He is going to get a long-term deal, a five-year deal that will put him at 31. Chance to cash in again. So is he going to take top dollar? Maybe, maybe not. But he will be the youngest left tackle in the top 10. He already is. He will continue to be so. He is 26. Everybody else is 27 or older, and a lot of these guys are on the other side of 30. The NFL views youth and progression in a way that is very beneficial for the players catching those contracts. So whether or not you think he is deemed a top 10 tackle in play, it does not matter. He is deemed a top 10 tackle in pay, and he's certainly going to get that this year. So I, I just know that there's a lot of that sentiment kind of going around already. He's already there. He's going to get a lot of money, and he's going to get a lot of money because he's young and still advancing in his If career. you're potentially a top 10 player at your position and you're clearly not capped out, you're going to get top five player at your position money if you're Correct. top five it doesn't matter if you're number one or have no chance in hell at being the best player at your position if you are potentially still ascending and a top five player at your position you are going to reset the market and this goes for just about every single position in the nfl okay you want to make the case that orlando brown might be the 12th best left tackle in the nfl okay that's fine you still just said he's top 15 he's younger than everybody else he's still getting better you can very easily make the case he's ascending that's a lock for top five money at the position. That's just how it works. Like people get a little too locked in on he's not as good as player X, so he can't make mm -hmm. as much. And I'm guilty of it because that's how when I talk about values of free agents, that's how I kind of approach it. But I also understand the wiggle room in there. But like people just get a little too focused on where he stacks up to his peers right now and not understanding how the market works, how age factors in, and the fact that the NFL doesn't care if you're the fourth or the fifth best left tackle. Like you're the same player to somebody if you're the fourth or the fifth best left tackle. Well, and I mean, I'm probably guilty of underrating Orlando Brown a little bit um, at times too, because I mean, I think he put together some really solid performances last season. And if you go and look at the list of left tackles in the league and have the conversation, like he probably sits sitting ninth isn't probably isn't isn't really bad. Uh, especially considering, you know, age, like you, you guys are all talking about. So, you know, I, I'm looking at it and like, I, I kind of want to have this conversation anyway. It's like, I, where do you evaluate Orlando Brown Jr.? Like, what is the, what is the line? I'll just say this. Cam Robinson just got $18 million per year. Orlando Brown Jr. is better than Cam. No, no, Robinson. He's Let's better than Cam Robinson. Trent yeah. Williams. Who are you taking? Brown oh, or Trent Williams. Trent, Trent Williams. Williams is the best left tackle in the yeah. league, easily. Hands so David Bakhtiari. David Bakhtiari. Probably, Laramie Tunzel. Yes. That's nuanced. <laughs> yeah, that is. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I can make an argument there. I can make an argument for either. Let's say just for argument's sake that it's Tunzel. Just just to keep the train rolling. Yeah, Ronnie Stanley. 
I think you take Ronnie Stanley. I mean, the Ravens took Ronnie, Ronnie Stanley. Raven, Ravens made that choice. Now, if we're talking nuanced, are we taking into account Ronnie Stanley's injuries over the last two years? Ah, see, that's the other part. Right. Orlando okay. Brown Jr. has been significantly more healthy and more available than Ronnie Stanley. So Jake can... Matthews. Now we're talking. Yeah, I, I would take looking, Orlando Brown. You're looking at the fifth highest paid left tackle in terms of average per year, Jake Matthews. We just said that you could have a layered discussion about Tunzel and maybe Stanley, Colton Miller, Cam Robinson, Garrett Bowles, then Orlando Brown Jr. Like, are we really pounding the table that Orlando Brown Jr. couldn't be better than Bowles, Robinson, Miller, Jake Matthews, Ronnie Stanley, depending on what happens? Like, I keep seeing people say he's not a top 10 left tackle. Like, I just named like the he top is. nine. I just oh, named the top easy. nine. Now I can make an easy case. He's better than at least three, four, or five of those guys ahead of him. Like, who are you pulling to say is better? The some of the rookies, I think, or some of the not rookies, but younger guys. Like, are they actually be better right now? Though, like, I get I feel it. Like, I, I feel it. like if you're going to Rishon Slater, might be Rishon Slater, Andrew might Thomas, Teron Armstead's probably still better. Mm, yeah, where, I don't know where he's at on here. 15, he's, he's a little bit below. million dollar APY. Yeah. He's an older guy. Yeah, but he's 31. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah, on the, also he's a on bunch of injuries. Numbers. Yeah, also a bunch of injuries. Yeah. Entire, I, I just feel like yeah. invoke rookies, you're betting on projection versus where they are right now. And if that's the case, why aren't you using the same thing to talk about the Orlando Brown versus the Jake Matthews or versus a Bakhtiari, who's clearly better but he's also mm -hmm. been injured the last two years. What's yeah. he going to look like two years from now? Like if you're going to invoke projection of a rookie because, to say they're better than Brown, then you have yeah. to do the same thing for him and Vets. And I just, I don't get the top 10 talk, and he clearly is, but then you yeah. want to talk about you're splitting hairs between, I don't know, offensive tackle seven and offensive tackle 12. And right. like, why are we going to argue about the money there? Those guys are all going to get top five left tackle money. Well, absolutely. In if you look at yeah. if you look at offensive tackle, you call it offensive tackle twelve. It's sixteen million dollars, fifteen and a half million dollars. And if you look offensive tackle seven, it's it's Cam Robinson at eighteen million. You know, so you're talking a couple million dollars here and there. I think the argument is is that people don't want to pay him in excess of like the twenty three million dollars that Trent yeah. Williams made, and I get that. I, I understand what the what the thing is they're looking at it and going trent williams is a better player and i understand that trent williams is also 34 i mean and has had some injury things as well if you wanted to tell me that he got paid you know the 22 million or 23 million that laramie tunsell or david bakhtiari get like i don't think that i'd blink at that again you got to think it's not in the structure of we are paying him that right this very moment the last years of that contract are going to be the heavy ones those are going to be the ones that are going to have all the backloaded money on it that's how the chiefs always structure these contracts so over the first three years of this contract you're probably not paying him an insane amount of money and then it's going to ramp up right when the cap is ramping up and all of that then you can restructure him you can sign an extension then kick it further down the road i mean there's lots of flexibility with that in reality it's going to end up looking closer to like a three-year deal maybe with a little bit of money on the fourth year that's when the big money's going to hit so i hear all this stuff oh you can't pay him that much because if you pay 23 million dollars and patrick Mahomes 30 million dollars and you can't afford any but it's not true <laughs> They know how to do this. They've worked this out in the past. I mean, they're getting ready to unsheath, you know, like a ton of giant contracts. They just did it this year. They got some more they can do next year. You got to spend the money somehow. Spend it on the young guy that can protect your quarterback. 
Okay, if you were willing to go to the Trent Williams or a beyond contract, why not just go to the Trent Williams contract for Trent right. Williams? So, like, if you are right. willing to go above Trent Williams for Orlando Brown, why not last year just keep going until you outbid the 49ers for him? Because he was going to go somewhere if they outbid him. Now, if San Francisco are you, matched, are you he was certain? Going, yes. No, I, okay. yes, the, the talks lasted yeah. that long because he was going to get the most money he could. He was just going to choose going back to Kyle if all things were even. But I'm just saying, if you're willing, as the Chiefs were, to play in this high 20s, they were willing to make Trent Williams the highest, you know, tied to be the highest paid left tackle in the NFL. If you're willing to pay that much for Orlando Brown now, why not just have gone up to 24 million for Trent Williams last year or whatever it took? To get the better player, it same thing. You're looking at a three-year deal roughly before you can start to get out of it. It's just, I wonder if they would go that high on Orlando Brown Jr. after not because, doing so yeah. last year. Because Brett Veach doesn't pay olds like that. He tried. And he was going to be the anomaly. And so that's I, I can see him drawing a line in the sand and saying, hey, I'm not paying a 34 mil or a 34-year-old guy a five-year deal for $23 million. Yeah. Just can't well, do it. Yeah. And I mean, we, the, I, Orlando Brown was much more of an unknown last, you know, there, Ooh, I think he's sure. proven himself to be worth not letting walk out the building. And I think that's, a, you know, that's something that comes into factor. A lot's changed in the last year too, since the chiefs were willing to pay Trent Williams a lot of money. And you look at the stability that the chiefs have on their offensive line with two cheap rookies under club control for the next two years at center and right guard. And maybe even right tackle if one of Lucas Niang, one of uh, Darian Kennard figures it out out there. Like you've you've learned a lot more about what to expect up front, and the allocation of your cash can be a lot different at the offensive line position a year today than it was a year ago because you've established your offensive line in a very real way. So even yes, we could talk about you know some hindsight there, but at the same time. A lot's changed with this football team, with how this team's structured and what they know they can and can't spend. Um, I'm going to be interested to see what the line is for Orlando Brown Jr. Um, a guaranteed money, too, is another piece of this that I'm fascinated by. Like Rodney Stanley got $64 million guaranteed on his contract, I believe, in 2021. A lot. That's a That's lot a of lot. money. Um, he most was young. And that's, he was young. I think and that was the thing. He is, was young when he signed it. Well, and if you look at some of the younger guys, I mean, Cam Robinson got 63% of his contract guaranteed. Laramie Tunsil got 61% of his contract guaranteed. Ronnie Stanley got 65% of his contract guaranteed. And all three, all three of those guys sit in the top seven of, of uh, contracts. Colton Miller, 46% of his um, contract was guaranteed. Uh, with 18 point million, uh, 18 million dollars APY, and he's the sixth best or sixth highest paid tackle. So, I mean, I, I'm guessing that's going to be a fascinating piece of this too. Is how much guaranteed money on top of just APY? How much guaranteed money the Chiefs have to shell out for this deal? Because the Chiefs, I mean, that's a lot of guaranteed money for them. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, 
Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I mean, it is. It is. And, I mean, they have not tended to go quite as high with the guarantees outside of Mahomes, obviously, but they've not tended to go quite as heavy with some of those guarantees, especially, you know, at offensive line that kind of paid those guys a little more year to year and structured at that in that way. And I mean, that makes sense. Those guys go through a lot of attrition. You don't want to, you know, put all of that guaranteed in there. But that being said, I mean, Orlando Brown Jr. has not missed it. You know, he's missed one game in his entire career right now one game like that's that's saying something for a physical guy that is in the shape that he is and all of that like i mean i could see them looking at that and saying hey listen we got to in order to get this thing across the line maybe we got to hit the guarantee so maybe the actual number the apy is maybe closer to like 19 or 20 but the guarantees are huge much like the ronnie stanley contract there where he can just say hey listen i'm i'm here for another four years you guys have committed to me for four years with this guarantee structure so yeah i'm gonna stick here i'm gonna be here for a long haul you guys believe in me you believe in my ability to progress you know you saw what happened throughout the year you know everybody remembers the beginning of the year when he was giving up sacks and patrick mahomes is drifting out of the back of the pocket nobody really says as much about the end of the year when he was a much better player was setting everything a lot better was he was just an overall better player a better left tackle and they kind of adjusted the offense to help him a little bit more and it worked so i I can see them maybe ponying up a little bit more. I do want to mention this real quick. Right now, with Joe Tooney being paid top of the market guard money, and you've got Orlando Brown coming in at maybe top of the market tackle money, and you got three other rookies. That is an average of $8 million per player right now along the offensive line. If you go through a lot of these offensive lines in the NFL, you're spending seven to nine million dollars a guy. You know, you you talk about spot duty guys, getting these guys to come in, veterans and things like that. You end up paying uh, you know, around that six, seven, eight million dollar range. So now all of a sudden you're looking at it, it's like, yes, you are allowed to spend that money on Orlando Brown Jr. as Kent talked about because you got all the rest of those rookies. Eight million dollars a player, that's not too terribly much when you're talking about protecting the best quarterback in the NFL. Well, especially the, when you're paying a guard tackle money for one of those spots. Well, I mean, <laughs> hey, I mean, is it ta- I mean it is still tackle buddy, but like, you know, 
Uh, I was looking at this. 58.75% of Joe Tooney's contract, I believe, um, was uh, is guaranteed. Uh, they can get out of his contract. <laughs> that, that breaks Maddie's brain. <laughs> in 2025, in 2020, after the 2024 season, they can get out uh, of Joe Tooney's contract right when it's time to start paying Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. And so, only eat a small left tackle worth of salary and dead cap to do so. <laughs> No, it's it's thirteen million. No, no, no. Cap. After after the twenty twenty four season. Oh, okay, I, okay. I, sorry, I leading into the twenty twenty five year, they can. I six, thought you were yeah. taking the three year out. Okay. No, no, I wasn't. Um, so you just meant cutting off his final year. Yeah, you cut off his last year. Oh, I'm sorry. No, and I was wrong. It's forty. It's only forty percent of his contract is actually guaranteed. Yeah, it, it's still so, a good chunk. I mean, it was still a good chunk, and it's been good. I just, you know, it's going to be fun to joke about how the Chiefs are always paying. A left guard, left tackle money. They're paying him. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna look. They're paying him Jordan Mylata money. Yeah, they're, pay, they're paying him Taylor Luan money. Yeah, that's just that's interesting. But yeah, I mean, you you the, they're gonna have to go. You know, they're gonna have to. They're gonna they're gonna go probably. I mean, tw- do you think? Do you think he resets the market? Do we think? Yes or no? We'll go around the table. Do we think Orlando Brown Jr. resets the market? Yes or no, Maddie? No. Okay. <laughs> no further no further explanation i'm gonna say yes but it's gonna be guaranteed money i know i just got done saying the chiefs don't want to do that but he's young you think I, that I think ronnie he's stanley it. has an absurd amount of guaranteed money no, i think, don't uh, i don't so, think you're getting over that so what do we that's think big, that's an absurd amount that's 64 65 percent of a hundred million dollar contract was guaranteed yep it's a lot. Um, the re- so the reason I it was like a it was a questionable no is just because he's so young. He's clearly not as good as Bakhtiari or Trent Williams. But if he gets, let's say, he even just matches them or gets just under, you now have him as a new. That's the guy. That's the um, Christian Kirk that everyone's going to go into the negotiations to use. And so technically, that is resetting the market, right? So like, I would say Orlando Brown anywhere over twenty one million is probably resetting the market, even though he's not actually going to be the highest paid. He's just going to be the guy that comes up in every negotiation for every left tackle coming up, Mm -hmm. because I think that's where he is. He's good enough to be, to get around that much money, but he's also not so clearly good enough that you can't bring his name up for why the next guy to get paid shouldn't get more, if that makes sense. So like he's going to be the bargaining chip. So yeah, he's setting the market in that way. He's just not going to get the most money. And I, I would be floored if he beat Stanley's guaranteed money. I, and when you say the Christian Kirk thing, he's better than Christian Kirk. He is. It makes sorry. sense. Yeah. I, you're better, you're not most re- I just wanted to go with the most recent guy that's like running every negotiation for a position. For sure. For sure. I, uh, I think he sits right under Trent Williams deal when it's all said and done on an APY just in, in under, under Ronnie Stanley on guaranteed, but not far off. So I, I'm right and- there on the lines. And if he's representing himself, he's probably making more than those guys did. Well, I mean, who knows what he's doing? That's Wait, just I, go to the Russell Okung school of aging yourself at this point in time. Like, right, just just go that route, I guess. Um, do you remember really quick, really quick? The thing that bothers me about well, I'm circling back. You remember, you know how we hear this line all the time? Well, these big contract, these big deals take a lot of time. They don't. Well, a lot of t- a lot of time is rolling on right now so something's either not true every time you say these deals take time is wrong is not true 
or you know, or this thing's gonna, you know, I don't know. It's it's just like we're running out of time here in Kansas City with the Orlando Brown situation. I um, hey, Eric Fisher's out there, so if we, you know, if push comes to shove, you could just bring Eric Fisher well, back. Before we move on, Britton, you will ask, what about having Joe Tooney play left tackle? You know, just quickly uh, address that. Um, I think whether the Chiefs get Orlando Brown Jr. back or not, I don't think they will ever plan on Joe Tooney being their left tackle. I don't even think Joe Tooney is going to be a backup left tackle option for them. I think he's very clearly an emergency left tackle as seen in the Bengals game when Orlando Brown Jr. couldn't play and then Lucas Niang gets hurt. And then all of a sudden now it is time to go into him. So like, I think that he is going to stay at guard. They don't want to move him to tackle unless they absolutely have to. They would probably bring back an Eric Fisher over letting Tooney play left tackle. It would be no. my assumption. Yeah. Uh, Joe Tooney has 32 and a quarter inch arms. 32 and a quarter. And that, he, that does not fly for Andy Reid. Just period. It just doesn't. And like, yes, he's played there in a pinch. But I don't know if you want to make him the permanent solution there at the position. Like, I think you don't, you, you, it's nice to have the flexibility. It's great to have the flexibility. And, you know, you could probably throw him out there for a couple games, and that's great. I just don't know if that's what you want to be your sustainable model. The good news mm -hmm. is Orlando Brown Jr. is a chief this year for sure. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't, there's not probably not a scenario where he's not, unless the Chiefs are somehow, for some reason, trading him. But I don't think that's happening. I think you know he's going to play on the franchise tag this year. It's just a matter of if the Chiefs can get him on a bigger deal, on a longer-term deal, and if they can get it done this year. Be fascinated because I think the longer this this ordeal plays out with him selecting an agent, that that bleeds into you know, that kind of bleeds into you know the potential for them to negotiate. Um, so yeah, I'm very much fascinated in monitoring. Hey, really quick, if you guys are liking this show, please feel free to hit the subscribe button, the like button, leave a comment, all that good stuff. It'd be great. Um, it helps the show as we're growing. It helps us while we're on right now, uh, apparently. So yeah, feel feel free to like, subscribe. If you if you're listening audio only, please feel free to leave a five star review. Uh, that's always a great thing as well. We don't do enough uh, about talking about those, but those those also help us. We used to do it all the time, but now we don't. Please feel free to leave a five-star review. That'd be wonderful. Um, all right, one more thing before we get out of here. Um, it's really positive news. Uh, and I'm not just saying, Bobby Stroop seems to be working with George Karloftis, the Chiefs' first-round pick. And I think all three of us, when we saw that, our ears perked up. Our we we kind of our posture changed. We kind of got a little intrigued because. You know, you've seen the flexibility that that Patrick Mahomes has, and the you know the the applicable flexibility. Boy, George Karloftis get a little bit more fl fluidity through his frame from Bobby Stroop's workout programs. That's very tantalizing. Yeah, I'm, as a Chiefs fan, and I would say any sports fan, but especially you know, I'm not a big Royals guy, but you go watch, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. You can bring baseball into this too. Any fan of any team, like if you have a athlete that is on a team that you enjoy and he is working with Bobby, then like you should feel pretty good. Like there's, he's very clearly really good at what he does. And yes, working with the talents and just like the natural raw ability of a Patrick Mahomes or a Bobby Witt Jr does kind of change things, but you just look, he puts a lot of it out there, just shows you some of the drills, some of his philosophy. You can really start to draw correlations on how that works and how you can directly see a lot of this stuff 
on the field and why it can be very uh, position specific, can be sport specific, whatever he wants to make it, he can get it there. So like, you're going to be excited for it's a good trainer and that what he can do with the detail of his planning. And then like specifically with George Karloftis, I'm highly intrigued because this is the first defensive lineman that I know of that's working with Bobby. And there could have been more that I haven't seen, but this is the first one that I know at the NFL level that has enough an NFL level of athleticism, right? What is the, what's going to be the skill specific stuff and how's it going to translate? It's obviously worked great for Mahomes at quarterback. It's working for Bobby Witt Jr. at third base or wherever he's playing anymore. I don't know. I don't watch. Um, so where, what's Always it going to look like for a defensive end now? And is he going to get more flexible? Is he going to, what's it going to look like? What are the drills? And then how's it going to pay off? I then my only other take is George looks lean. That's it. That's it. George looks lean compared to what he looked like at Purdue this last year. George looks really, really lean right now. So that's that's a that's a plus. Yeah, he really does. He looks closer to how he looked as a freshman. You know, he he really does, and that's that's a very positive thing. I think a lot of the drills that Bobby's been highlighting as well. You know, lots of them on his Instagram page that are highlighting his they're working on that that sort of torsion, that flexibility, and I think honestly. I saw that and I got really exceptionally excited for George Karloftis. I mean, I, I I was excited about the motor. I was excited about seeing him play it a little bit lighter. You know, as I wrote about on KCSN Daily, you can go there, subscribe, find that article. I covered his 2019 versus 2021. I got really excited because I saw the athletic profile and I went, that guy can play. That guy, not that he couldn't play in 2021, but that guy was a higher ceiling prospect a guy that we would have been exceptionally excited about he wouldn't have been there at 30 he wouldn't have been there he wouldn't have been there now all of a sudden you've got him working with a guy that has worked with patrick mahomes worked with chris godwin worked with jedrick wills these guys you know he's tailored plans to make them the best players that they can be and so you get excited about anybody working with bobby obviously we are we know Bobby. Bobby's been on, you know, the the podcast and everything like that. So we are a pro Bobby channel here, but he does some of his best work tailoring things specifically to making these guys hit their ceilings. And so far, as you go through his client list, you look at these guys and you're like, man, he's done a damn good job of hitting all these guys' ceilings. So George being in that boat, not only just being in that boat, going to OTAs, working his ass off at OTAs and then going to Bobby afterwards and working his ass off there. I think that shows the character of the individual. We've talked about football character a lot lately, but the character of the individual and how he's willing to put in the work. I, my stuck is up on, on George Karloftis right now. It really is. I'm, I'm excited to see him come out and play now. I am too. I mean, I've been, I've been, yeah, I've been fascinated. I think just th- I've been curious if the process like I think, you know, like we we talk about this sometimes, like sometimes the process helps guys differently than others. The pre-draft process. I've wondered if there's been a little bit of that there. He does look a little bit lighter than he has, um, which, you know, which intrigues you, because like I remember Maddie telling us back in March, like, hey, go watch go watch George Karloftis from 2019. And it's like, oh, OK, like, this, this is this is some different movement skills, maybe playing a little bit lighter and kind of seems like that's the case and yeah you see bobby working with him like okay so stock up like the football character and the willingness to try maybe things that weren't part of your initial plan uh throwing your ego out the window and doing it a way that you believe is going to help you achieve greatness those are all 
you know, trying something that maybe he wasn't doing uh, with it. You know, he wasn't, I don't know if he was working with Bobby Stroop pre-draft, but I didn't see anything. So, you know, the fact that he's willing to to work with somebody that's, you know, that he believes is going to help Taylor make, uh, you know, a plan for him. That's, that's, that's good too. Like I, I saw a quote from, from, uh, from Carl Loftus talking about how he loves the process month to month. He likes the off season. He likes all that kind of stuff. Of course he does. Sure. Of he course. does. Of course he does. And he's maximizing it. I can't wait to see what, what the, what the NFL version what the professional version of George Carl Loftus looks like. And, uh, he's in wonderful hands, uh, for his development. All right. That is going to do it. For the Casey Laboratory, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Maddie Lane for not interrupting me. We'll catch you later.